In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all the kids up through the ninth grade, please come forward. You do it. You do it. Da da da. You do it. Da 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 da. Do that. Dun, da 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 da. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Can y'all hear me? Can you hear me? You know why? You know why you can hear me? Because I've got this wireless mic on. And you know what this wireless mic does? You know what it does? When. When you speak through here, say your name, Bowden. 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 Say your name, Lauren. Lauren. See what it does? Pretty neat, huh? Magic. It's magic. You know what happens? This, it goes through this wire, and then it goes to a receiver over in the sound booth, and then it goes through an amplifier, and then it comes out those speakers. Every syllable everything that we say goes through all of that but there's something inside here what's this called <laughs> what <laughs> now so the battery keeps all of that working. If the battery loses its charge, it won't work. Or if you have no batteries, it won't work. And so that's one of the reasons why we come to church every single Sunday. Because we recharge our spiritual batteries so that um, we, we do for God what God wants us to do without without being able to be recharged by what God gives us in church, first of all, we come to give to God. That's important. But because we give to God, God gives back to us. And what God gives back to us, we take it out into the world and use it for God, for the kingdom of God. Uh, if, if we learn how to love in here and we take the love back out, we are fed by the body and blood of Christ. We're fed by the word of God. We're fed by the love of each other. And we take all of this back out into the world because we're recharged spiritually. And when we don't come to church, we don't get recharged. It's, it's very difficult to get recharged because we do it together as the body. I mean, you can pray at home and have worship at home, but we do this as the body, the church. And so when we come to the church, we all get charged with spiritual energy, if you will, uh, God's grace, if you will. And so, and so, so keep coming to church. I mean, I see y'all here every week. I see you here every week, and I'm here most every week, right? So keep your batteries charged. Your battery is in your heart. Oh. Yeah, that's your spiritual battery, not your acid battery. What kind of battery is there? What are the acid batteries? I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so physical, physical. Uh, physical batteries. So keep keep them charged, keep coming, all your life. This is not something that just when you're young, 
You, we, we get recharged every week. I've been doing this for 67 years. Yeah, 67 years. And um, there's sometimes I leave here when I don't feel recharged, but that's my fault, not God's. Uh, but, but I do come and come and come and come and come and just God takes over. God gives, it, gives us what we need. So keep your batteries charged, okay? All right. Now we're going to listen to Deacon Jennifer talk about the, the, the lessons. Thank you. You can get a packet over here from, I can't see who's over there. It's Jeff. Oh, Mr. Music over there. Wait, wait, wait. Easy, easy. easy. Okay, go. Easy. <laughs> I find it interesting that your, sermon, your children's sermon was about batteries today, and I had to change mine. We're all sitting over there. I don't know if you saw it or not, but they're like, take, how many people, how many priests and clergy does it take to change a battery? Here's some more thought-provoking questions that I've asked myself in the late hours of the night when I couldn't sleep. Do cats and dogs speak foreign languages in different countries? I know someone said yes. Can you stand backward on a flight of stairs? And for that matter, why do they call it a flight? When all is said and done, have I said more than I've done? Why do I behave the way I do? That last one I have asked myself many times over. Why did I do that? What made me say that? What was I thinking when that slipped out of my mouth? How did I possibly think I was going to get away with that? Why do I behave the way I do? You know, Paul asked himself the same questions too, but he seems to have found a way to work through those questions, albeit a very circular way. I don't do what I want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do. I know the law, I understand that the law is good, but I can't seem to stick to it. Evil crops up and slips into the law while I'm trying to follow it. Now, what a dilemma for us if Paul, a very devout Jew, a Pharisee of good standing, can't follow the laws that he upholds and uses against everyone else's behavior. We can certainly sympathize with him as we ourselves have observed our own behaviors and have trouble understanding how we can even be that person in one minute and a totally different person in the next. Paul states clearly though it's not his fault. It's part of human nature to sin. He talks about our sinful nature many times in his other letters too. He agrees that the law is fair, the law is good, it's holy, and that shows us the right behavior. But he concludes that the right behavior is beyond his ability. The Jews saw this too, so they had a solution for it. Everyone has two natures within themselves. God made man with a good impulse and an evil impulse. Some rabbis even believed that this second personality was present from the womb. 
The Jews believed that God had given us the ability to make the choice between good and evil. The evil would be there, but we could choose not to do it and not to let it overcome our good being. In Ecclesiasticus, from the Apocrypha, it reads, Before each person are life and death, and whichever one chooses will be given. And when we look through the Old Testament, we can see any number of examples of man choosing poorly, evil over good. Paul believed that way too. That is, until he was knocked off his horse and set straight. Hence, after his encounter with Jesus, he was ready to say that he could not do the good that he wanted to do. Even the good he did do wasn't in his power to do it. It was all because of Christ. It was all because Jesus chose to die for the sins of the many that Paul could even look himself in the face. A code of morality by itself cannot save us. It can only reflect the sin we are in and point us to the cure. The law can influence us, but it cannot save us. We can know it, but not know how to do it much like anything else we do. I remember when I was young, I used to dance with my daddy. In truth, I put my feet on top of his feet and he did all the moving. I tried to do it on my own, but when I did that, I'd look down at my own feet, trying to mimic what had been done and what I knew I had seen but there was a lot of stumbling and a lot of missteps. Now, I'm not much better at it now, even though I get the logistics of, of dancing. What I have discovered over the years, though, is that if I look up and follow the leader, who is usually my husband, I wind up not stepping on his toes quite so much. It's a weak analogy but I think you get the point. It's not what I can do on my own that makes me able to dance. It's what my partner can do with my surrender to the dance that makes it work. And that's where Jesus wants to be in our lives. He wants to be the leader of the dance, the one who knows the movements, who knows the rhythms, in our gospel today, he recognizes our inabilities and he offers a solution, the only solution that truly works. Jesus saw those who were downtrodden by the law and he saw those who were insistent that that law could be followed to the letter. He saw those who were desperate to be a part of the dance but couldn't figure out the steps. He saw the ones who were rejected by the dancers because they didn't look good on the floor. And he even saw those 
who thought they had the dance down perfectly, though they could never look up from watching their feet all the time. So he offered an invitation, one that demanded attention and called for a response. To ignore it was to reject it and all that came with it. He called out to those who could never be satisfied by whatever was offered to them. John had a demon. Jesus was a glutton and a drunkard. John preached repentance that offended them. Jesus preached love, which equally offended them. But Jesus said, come. You can hear the love in that offer. Come, all of you who are tired, who are heavily burdened, those of you who are desperate for God but can't find him anywhere. Come to me, those who pose and posture and pretend to have it all together but know that they really don't. Come to me, all of those who are struggling to keep it together and fail most of the time. Come to me, all of you who can't even pretend to have it together and can't rise above the failure. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Now he asks of those who come three things. Take, learn, and find. And I want to look at those today. Take, Jesus says, take my yoke. Now, you know, Jesus was a carpenter before he began his ministry, so I feel pretty sure that he had made a few yokes in his day. He knew that a good yoke had to be carefully made or it would chafe the skin of the wearer. He knew that it had to be well balanced or the load would fall and shift It couldn't be heavier than what the carrier could hold up or there wouldn't be the strength to carry a burden at all. Jesus says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He won't put on us more than we can carry as we are yoked to him. He says learn. Jesus didn't want followers who just mimicked what he did. He wanted them to understand what he was doing and why he was doing it. The gospel isn't about what we get out of it or what we have done. It's about what Jesus did and continues to do for us. Coming to Jesus changes how we live as we learn who he is and who we are in him. We imitate him because we understand the length that he went through for us in his death. That's the gospel. That's the saving grace. And then he tells us to find. He offers rest for the soul. And in that rest, we find peace, even in the busiest of times. 
We can find joy even in suffering. We can find that our burdens fit us better. With him, we can carry the part that he gives us. The peace of being able to trust him, to believe in him, to surrender ourselves to his care can cover over the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. Jesus calls each of us to him. It's an invitation to find the kind of life that we could never deserve on our own. It's an invitation to feel the rhythm and the freedom of the dance. It's an invitation to a love that is air itself. He says, come, take the yoke, learn from me, find rest in me. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I am weaker and more sinful than I have ever believed, but that through you I am more loved and accepted than I have ever dared to hope. Thank you for paying my debt, for bearing my sins, and for offering me forgiveness. Turn me from my sin and yoke me to you for all of my life. Amen.